Dr. Geneva Speaks. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks, where you'll hear amazing leaders from across the nation and around the world. Your host, Dr. Geneva Williams, a cutting-edge, transformational leadership coach, hopes and believes this show will enlighten, entertain, and inspire you to make a difference in the world. So listen up as Dr. Geneva Speaks. This is Geneva Williams, and welcome as we take a look into the heads and hearts of leaders and the greater purpose they inspire in others. Every woman is born with a unique calling on her life, but too often we choose to settle for less than our best. Now, with the help of author and speaker Dr. Gail M. Hayes, women everywhere can be empowered. Dr. Gail Hayes is a television and radio host, much sought-after international conference speaker and executive leadership coach, whose main focus is the message of the IPD principle. Now, that's identity, purpose, and destiny. She's also the author of several books. One I'm really very excited to talk to her about. It's called The Power of a Woman to Lead. She is CEO of the Handle Your Business Girl Empowerment Zone, and her passion is to help women find ways to manage their stress, build networks of support, and to live balanced, joyful lives. So welcome, Dr. Gail. How are you? I am great, Dr. Geneva. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a guest on your show today. Oh, we are so excited. Um, I know you've got such an impressive resume. There were probably some things I left out, but can you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background? Okay, let's see. One of the th- one of the things I'm most proud of is that I, I had two children in my 40s. I was told I couldn't have children, and when I turned 40, I um, I asked God for his best and best purpose for me, and, honey, I got pregnant at age 40 and had my first child at 41. And then at 43, I had my second child. So, you know, that right there, it will teach you, if nothing else, it will humble you and teach you uh, that you need to be a leader, if nothing else. So I was, uh, I'm was i a military brat. I'm the firstborn of seven children. I've lived on three continents. Uh, I was the first African-American female law enforcement officer and African-American female firefighter in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So I worked with men and learned a lot about leadership from men and how they do business and learned a skill that a lot of women, I think, we're still trying to grasp is that that skill of compartmentalization, how we can put our feelings Mm -hmm. and emotions on hold in order to accomplish a mission because men are mission-focused. And that's what I learned a lot from men is how to compartmentalize that piece of of me and, and handle the mission. So I have a varied background, worked for the government, uh, lived abroad. So I've I've done a lot of things. So let's get to the leadership stuff. Enough about me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, exciting. And, and you know when you, you know your background is so fascinating and and I I I'm going to have you on at a, another time so we can talk about your uh journey as a firefighter and as a police officer and and the leadership experiences you had in that. But yes, let's get to the power of a woman who leads. Now, now okay. that's a book that you you wrote. Tell, tell us what 
what got you to that point about writing about power and about women and about leadership? Well, first of all, I, I was a very reluctant leader. I noticed that leaders took the hit, and I was tired of taking hits. I did not want to lead. As a matter of fact, I like staying in the back and influencing others, you know, influence, influencing those who are brave enough to step into the arena and, and lead. And, you know, what's so so fascinating to me about leadership is that every I believe that every woman is called to lead somebody somewhere to do something great. Every woman. Even you're, if you're a mother, uh, you're leading. If you're a wife, you're leading. If you work in the workplace, you're leading somebody somewhere to do something. And so I had a re- a re- I was a very reluctant leader because I'm the firstborn of seven, so I was always leading, and I was always taking the hit. You know, you, why did you let her do that? I grew up leading, and then whenever I would get into in an arena of people, I'd always say, well, let's get Gail to do it. I was like, you know, I took hits, and I didn't like it. And so I tried to run from that, and when uh, my publisher um, heard me speak, he said to me, he said, listen, I'm a man, and I wanted to do what you said do. And I thought, what? (laughs) He said, we want you to write on leadership. I was so upset with those people, I didn't know what to do. Dr. Geneva, I did not want to write on leadership. I wanted to write on something fun, like I wanted to write for children. Or let's do another book for women. He said, no, we've heard the best speakers speak on leadership, female speakers, and we've never heard anyone, a woman like you. So we believe that you, if you're not the voice, you're one of the voices for women's leadership, and people are going to hear about you and what you, your theories and what you think you believe about leadership. And I was so mad at those people. I didn't know what to do. And so I ended up writing this book, but I was reluctant. But during that process, I I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned that a lot of the stuff was in me because when I wrote it, I deleted the whole book uh, right before my deadline, and in six weeks I had to rewrite it without any notes. So you you mean you lost lost all you had written? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Well, that must have been a real, real challenge. Oh, let me tell you, I left, I deleted it by mistake the day before it was due, and I was crying, I was upset, and I'll never forget my editor said, take a deep breath, it's in you. That book is in you, and I said, oh, yeah, okay, right. And sure enough, uh, they gave me um, six additional weeks to write, and I wrote it in four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just rewrote mm-hmm. it. I just re- you know what I did? I just sat down and rewrote the book. And it, I mean, no notes, just rewrote it. And surely, surely enough, that was true. Uh, do you think it was better the second time around? You know, I really do because when I went back, listen, when I go back and read, I said, "Ooh, did I write that?" <laughs> yes. It's like I, I learned something every time I go back and reread and have to reference the book. So I really do mm-hmm. believe that. I think that during the first time I wrote it, I was probably trying too hard. Okay. You know, okay. and and so this time I just let it flow out of me when I wrote the, mm-hmm. the wrote it the second mm-hmm. time. I just let it flow. Mm-hmm. I said, whatever, whatever I don't know won't go. So. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, in, in your flowing, I know you uh, identified uh, six different styles of leadership. Uh, yes, ma'am. Yes, I did. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. All right. Well, the six different styles, uh, leadership styles that I identified was number one, the activist leader. The activist leader, her motto is um, no people, no mission. In other words, her first concern is for people. She's the person that likes to um, always takes up a cause. You know, you see them, they like to work in the background. Just because you're in the background doesn't mean you're not leading. 
She's the one mm-hmm. that will take up a call. She'll start a homeless shelter. She's the one that'll do the clothing drive. She's always the one that's, that takes up a call. She's the activist leader. Um, okay. So she, that's how she operates. The second one is the strategic leader. No plan, no mission. If she's not going to move unless you have a plan in place, she likes to say, "Okay, let me dot every I and cross every T." We before we move out, we need to make sure we have the equipment checklist. Um, no plan, mm-hmm. no mission, and sometimes she makes people angry because she is a born planner. That's what she does. She brings the method to the madness, if you understand what I mean. <laughs> yes. The yes. the the third one is the tactical leader, and for her, it's no. No, what is it? How does she? The tactical leader wants she wants um, everything her way. In other words, no flexibility, no mission. If you can't give her flexibility and give her a task and let her do it, she gets frustrated because the tactical leader is the one that gets in the flow of the battle. The the strategic leader will give her the battle plans and she'll say, "I Uh need you to take this city, take the city." And if there's a bridge leading to the mountain to take the city, the tactical leader will get there and there's no bridge, but she'll take the city anyway. Mm-hmm. So she th- okay. she has to have flexibility. The the fourth one is the creative leader. No creativity, no mission. She has to be able to create her own way, her own method of doing things, and she loves the flow of creativity. And she activates that in her team because she will t- you give her a project and she'll change the whole project and it'll be better than what you ever imagined because you've allowed her to flow in her the area of creativity. The collaborative leader is no relationship, no mission. She believes in going. Mm-hmm. She's the one that you'll say, well, we need to do uh, this project, and I'm not sure. She says, I already know. We need to collaborate with this group. She believes in reaching outside the organization and bringing in resources if they're not already present in the organization. And oftentimes people feel threatened about going outside of their organization. But when she understands the strength of unity, she understands the strength of community. Like no other leadership style, she believes in collaborating. Why reinvent the wheel when these people over here are already doing it? Let's get them to help us do it, and we all benefit. That's the okay. strength of the collaborative leader. Then there's the dramatic leader. No glory, no mission. The bigger the project, mm-hmm. the better she flows. <laughs> she, okay. wants, she wants, look, she don't mind taking the accolades. I'm going to take the heat if I take the biggest risk. I'm going to get the biggest piece of the pie, and I want y'all to say thank you. J- job well done. And people think sometimes, well, you know, she's all in it for her. No, 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 no. Just because she says no glory, no mission. She said she loves to have glorious victories. That's it. She believes she wants big things. Let's do big things together. So it's not all about bringing glory to herself. It's about bringing glory to the project and saying, here we go. Let's get this done. Let's have a big win. We're going to dream big and do it in a big way. So those are the six different types of leadership styles that are that are identified in the book, The Power of a Woman Who Leads. Phenomenal. Now, you know, Dr. Gale, um, you know, there's so much written about leadership these days, uh, and have and has been for for many many years. People are just so fascinated with leadership and leadership traits and style. These these six that you've identified, um, what 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 can you do with that? I mean, so you so you see these six different styles that you've identified. What's the purpose of it? Why does it matter? Well, I believe that. If you don't know who you are, you don't know what belongs to you. And so many times, uh, Dr. Geneva, I've discovered that people try to emulate other people, and those people may not have anything really in common with you, and you use them as an incorrect barometer of where you should be and who you should be. For instance, Mm -hmm. I can tell you um, 
you know, people ask me, who who do you look to? Who did you look to to be your mentor? Well, I've never really had a mentor, mm-hmm. but I can tell you who spoke into my life leadership. And I didn't like it at first, but the more I thought about it, you know, how you could sit down and listen to somebody talk and listen to somebody, and they speak to your heart and they speak to your spirit, yes. and you know yes. immediately that's you're supposed to follow that person or supposed to connect with that person. And that person for me was Miles Monroe, Dr. Miles Monroe. When I first heard Dr. Miles Monroe speak many, many years ago, I saw him on a videotape. I was mesmerized. He was speaking. It was almost as if he was watering seeds that had not yet germinated in my hungry spirit. I mean, when he began to speak on leadership and the power of purpose, the power of knowing who you are, that spoke to me because I was on a search for identity. And I believe Mm -hmm. that identity is the biggest thing, especially for people of African descent, because we're the only ethnicity whose identity has been skewed, if you will. And I was looking for why I was here. I didn't understand who I was and why I was here, why all my stuff was mixed up. And I went on a search for identity. And you know as well as I do, those of us who come from a Christian background, we call upon God, we give him names. Identity mm-hmm. is critical when you're talking about mm-hmm. someone. Well, even mm-hmm. when you speak to your child, you got to know that child's name. And so mm-hmm. for me, I want to know who I was. And so for me, even with leadership, what? How do I operate? What style? Give me a name. Look, when I found out I was a tactical leader, they empowered me. That's okay. That means I can flow. I got flexibility. I can flow. I change the flow of the battle. I cannot tell you how many women have come to me since reading this book and in tears saying they become so much so much of a better leader in the workplace because they said, well, excuse me, but this is a trait of a creative leader. I'm a creative leader. Let me tell you how I operate. And they've been able to take this book and use it as a tool to help people to identify, to better follow them when they realize who they were. They use it as a tool to teach others about them, the people that had to follow them. And one lady said, she said it turned her whole work life around. Well, she said, I am a creative leader. And she said, I, was, I had people who were strategic leaders and activist leaders working for me, and I learned how to activate them and their leadership because I realized who they were. Once you know who somebody is and how they're, what their giftings are, you can better serve them and they can better serve you and they know who you are. So it's all about us knowing what the gifts are and who we are so that we can all get a piece of the pie and win the battle and win the war, if you will, and move forward. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's uh, so. It's, it's it's about knowing yourself. About you know, oftentimes leadership, I believe, is is a lot about self development. And as you're saying, knowing yourself, knowing where you are, and so this is why you're saying these knowing where you fall in this uh, leadership uh, uh, spectrum is important. I was going to ask you what you identified yourself as. So you're a tactical leader. <laughs> So, I'm a tactical so tell me, leader. Tell us, okay, so tell us a little bit more about that tactical leader. Tactical leaders are born people managers. They are the ones that can sell yes. ice cubes to an Eskimo. <laughs> All right. They usually All come right. in and inspire others, and they're the ones that okay. you give them a difficult task, and you say, okay, how are you going to get the people on board? They're the ones that usually get everybody on board. Sometimes it's a little difficult for some, but they also have a have, they have this barometer for people. They're um, inspirational leaders, more inspirational. Uh, I always tell people, people always say, oh, you're so motivating. I said, no, I'm inspirational. What's the difference? Well, if you yes. motivate someone, you can motivate them to move. Like You can motivate somebody to brush their teeth so their teeth won't rot, Correct. But mm-hmm. if you inspire them, you light an inner fire that doesn't go out even after they leave your presence. Okay. 
Okay. That's the difference. Right. Inspiring somebody to move on their own. Giving them a reason mm-hmm. to move on their own. Not, you know, motivate. You can push somebody and motivate them. Just go over there because you don't want. But if you inspire them, they have, they have embraced it. They own it. So the tactical leader has a gifting for helping people own the process, to own it, to see their piece of the pie and own it because they understand that without the team and without the people, they, can, they cannot do the mission. Mm-hmm. So, so, Dr. Gail, now, how did you, how did you discover that you were a tactical leader, and, and how do others discover what their leadership style is? Well, I'll tell you honestly, my husband told me. I was walking around telling him I was a strategist. This is military. All this is military talk because wherever we go, uh, Dr. Geneva, when there's conflict, we're in a warfare. And mm-hmm. those of us who don't want to acknowledge it, we need to be able to acknowledge that we're dealing with warfare. Whenever you have conflict and you have people coming together, it has to be a plan of action. And the military is, was the first corporation in the United States of America. How the military is set up is how every corporation has modeled, has modeled itself after the military. So I was thinking I was a strategist, and I'll never forget the conversation. I was saying, oh, I'm a strategist. And my husband, who was a military man, former military man, said, no, you are not a strategist. You're a tactician. I said, what's the difference? And I uh, explained a scenario earlier. He said the strategists are the ones who develop the war plans. They're the ones who have to actually go and research and get the intel and develop the war plans to take a city. But they hand the, the, tactic, the, the war plans to the tactician who flows, who is out there and doing real-time boots on the ground, as they say, in the bat, on the battleground. The, ta- the strategists are not out there in, uh, fighting. The tacticians are. They're the ones that are leading, and they have to learn how to improvise. When things change, they're going to look at the plan and say, this is not working put it over to the side, and they have to actually improvise in the midst of the battle. And I am really good at improvising. When things are not working, I usually don't fall apart. I'm usually the one say, wait a minute, let's pull this string, let's do this. You know how some people fall apart if they don't have a plan? I can operate mm-hmm. with a plan, mm-hmm. but I can also improvise when there is no plan and say we need to put A and B together. So somebody hand this to me. Somebody get this. We've got to get some resources, and I know who has the gifts to make those things happen. Strategists, mm-hmm. on the other hand, only operate by the plan. Tacticians take the plan, and they're the ones in real time that make it happen, and then the end result is what the strategist planned. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. So so you were, so your husband, and in your case, your husband kind of pointed out to you what he thought your leadership style was. Um, I noticed in, in your book, in looking through your book, you also have a, uh, leadership identity style inventory, right? Um, and you could take you could take the little the quiz and find out your in, your leadership style. Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay, all right. So if if our listeners are interested in you know where they fall out on the spectrum and in what where they fall in one of these six groups, there's an inventory in your book that can help them uh, discover their style. Absolutely. If you, you know, if you get more A's, B's, C's, D's, E's, or F's, you discover your leadership style. And most okay. most of us have a dominant leadership style, and we may have traits for some of the others, but I learned that most of us have a dominant style that we follow, and we fall okay. back on that. It's a piece of us that's real. Certainly we have traits from some of the others, but most of us operate in our dominant styles. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I do believe that um, – uh, oftentimes we have to switch up our style depending upon what the circumstance is. And 
you know, one time we might have to be an activist leader, um, and at other times we have to be that collaborative leader, depending on the situation. And so what you're saying is that you might have other types of styles, but you have one primary style? I believe I believe that. I've noticed that with most mm-hmm. people that I've dealt with, that they have a dominant style, but they have traits from the others. And um, okay. so, but but most of the time when they fall in in the crisis under stress, we operate in that dominant style. Uh, we try okay. to be we try to be more collaborative. Some of us, some of us might try mm-hmm. to be more an activist. Okay. But most of the time, if you're a leader, you're going to have people around you who are going to operate in those other styles. And what ha- what the, the the great leaders understand and know, they can release that part. In other words, if I'm a tactical leader, when I realize that we need some strategy, I'm going to look for somebody on my team who who has that strategic leadership style to take that piece okay. from me because mm-hmm. it'll slow me mm-hmm. up. And 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 mm-hmm. so on and so on. If if we have an activist um, proposal that's before us, I'm going to say, okay, that's your that's your forefront. You're in the forefront of this. Tell, tell us how this is going to look. And I have because mm-hmm. I'm a tactical leader, I have no problem with that. So I think the, what great leaders do, they surround themselves with other leadership styles that are different from themselves, and then they can know how to divide the pie, if you will. So we can all mm-hmm. have some. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so that also goes back to your point of uh, knowing yourself and and yes. being, you know, clear and confident about what your style is. But Dr. Gale, I think it also says that it's important for a a good leader to know about the leadership styles and to know her team. Absolutely, because you can't do it without. Listen, Dr. Geneva, you already know this because you've been in leadership for a long time, but any vision given is always too big for one set of shoulders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's any right. vision given is always too big for one set of shoulders. And so when I'm getting ready to do something, I always look for other sets of shoulders because that thing can get really heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and, that, and, 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 the, and, and the hits just keep on coming. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, Dr. Gale, also, it, you know, I found very interesting in your book, you talk about um, five leadership facets of successful leaders. Can you talk a little bit about that? It, when we say leadership facets, uh, are we talking about um, traits or aspects of successful leaders? What's all that about? Well, when as I was studying, now, you know, we all – you know, leadership to me, the theory behind leadership can be subjective. It depends on who's looking at it. I just happened to, when I was looking at it, it reminded me of a car. It just really did. I just began to think about being okay. in this car. And I thought about, okay, when I'm doing leadership, am I leading all the time? And for me, the answer mm-hmm. is no. Sometimes I have to rest. And I said, when I started resting, mm-hmm. I said, I have to be activated. So the first leadership facet for me was activated. Leaders perform their best when they're when they're faced with a challenge. Most leaders love challenges. They see challenges okay. as opportunities. So challenges oftentimes activate leadership because that's when people okay. start standing up. And then when you're confronted okay. by that, when they're confronted by a mission, they they can choose. They choose that. People have to choose to act. So activation is the first facet. The second one is direction, and that's inspiring others to share your vision. When you get ready to do a task, you have to have others to share in your vision. And it's it's important how we choose our teams. And as I said, I think I, I reiterated that earlier, having strategic leaders, collaborative leaders. I like mm-hmm. different types of right. leaders around me. And so they help you when you're having that direction. you got to be able to share that vision with your team. And, and then you have to inspire them to act. And by inspiring mm-hmm. them, you have to empower mm-hmm. them also to act. 
You got to release mm-hmm. them to, to work in the area of their gifting. So many times, leaders. Sometimes leaders hold on to things too much. We hold on to things too close to the vest. But we have to learn how to empower those people around us. They will, and let me tell you something. They will come up with something totally off the chain and brilliant if you allow them to operate in their styles and to empower them to act. And then there's okay. a, the training and development, uh, also showing them how you want it to act, showing them and say, look, I need this bridge going here, this going here. They will build a stellar bridge because you may not be a bridge builder. You may be a tactical okay. leader, but you need a bridge. You've got to get those mm-hmm. who are engaged in that. And then, of course, the rewards and recognition. You have to learn how to reward and encourage people. Um, so many times people forget to say thank you. Thank you. Even the words mm-hmm. thank you mean so much to people that you have acknowledged their contribution. I know that for me, when people do not acknowledge my contribution to a task, that really bothers me. And I'll give you a really case in point with that. Even in my family, mm-hmm. I'm the firstborn of seven. Well, my mother told me that I didn't do anything. She said, you didn't do much when you were growing up. I thought, wait a minute, I'm a firstborn girl of seven children. Now, mm-hmm. anybody that has any sense will know that I've done something. And so I remember, in, from a, on a personal standpoint, I, I finally said to my mother, if I changed one diaper, if I made one bottle of formula, if I combed one head of hair, if I helped one child, one sibling with homework, I've, I've contributed. And I said, I will not allow anyone to denigrate or to devalue my contribution to my family. It is It has helped to make me who I am. And then I said to her, I said, if there's no shame and you haven't helped, Mama, you needed help. And I was your mm-hmm. helper. That's why you've, you've helped to make me into the mother that I am today. And immediately she took on a different a different uh, viewpoint of that. I said, I'm standing on my mountain singing my song only my life. And she said, yes. you know, I didn't think about it that way. I said, so I can't allow you to denigrate my contribution. I was a part of your team. And that's what I told her. Mm-hmm. And I dedicated this mm-hmm. book to her. I dedicated this book, mm-hmm. The Power of Woman at Least, to her because of what she taught me. And she had to take a step back and say, oh, because she was bound by shame because her oldest daughter had to work so hard. I didn't mind. It mm-hmm. made me who I am today. So, you see, sometimes mm-hmm. we have to better reward just her, her acknowledging and saying, you know what, you're right. All of a sudden it changed stuff for me. Even as an older woman, it changed me when she acknowledged my contribution. And people don't understand. They devalue that part of acknowledging the contribution of your team members, going to them individually and collectively, saying, you know what, I couldn't have done this without you. We couldn't have done this without you. So that's important. Those five facets are critical in leadership. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So those are the the things that make up uh, good leaders, successful leaders, learning, knowing uh, about challenges and inspiring and and uh, empowering others to act and 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 being a role model. I really like that aspect that you talk about as you described it in terms of training and development, really showing others how to act. That role modeling and of course rewarding and encouraging others. So. So those those things, when we get all those things together, we have successful leaders. That's right. And, you know, most, lead, most people will tell you they want to follow people who are willing to get in the trenches with them. They want to mm-hmm. follow people who don't mind rolling up their sleeves or, or taking off their shoes or taking off their pantyhose or have runs in their pantyhose. They don't mind following people who know they're going to get out there and work with them. They they don't mind following those type of leaders because they know those leaders understand what they really have to do. They understand the job that they have to do. So that those are the type of leaders that, that sometimes we we miss. Those are the most effective leaders, the ones who can stand up and say, okay, I'm going over here to put this together. Will you come with me? And they're like, wow, you're going to do that too? Absolutely. Right. 
Well, Dr. Gale, you know, we only have a couple more minutes, but I wanted to ask you before we uh, close out, if there was, um, you know, you just have such, you know, great uh, advice, great thinking, um, what what advice would you give to someone who is going into a leadership position for the very first time? My advice would be be authentically you. If you like things a certain way, that's the way you like it. But just make sure that you can figure out how to make your way mesh with the with the uh, mission statement of the organization. And because you, when you come in as a new leader, you're going to change the atmosphere of your team. So you've got to make sure that you are authentically you because my mother has a saying, so you start out the way you can hold out. Don't start ah. out being don't start out being somebody that you're not. When you go in, be authentically you because you may, can't change up in midstream on people. That will that will destroy a team, the camaraderie faster than anything. But if you come in and you're and you understand you're strategic, be strategic. You come in, and you know you're tactical, be tactical. If you're collaborative and so on and so on. Start out with your true leadership style so people, your team will know who you are and how you operate. Be authentically you. All right. Well, Dr. Gale, and you can find your authentic self in the power of a woman who leads. Your, your yeah, and they, and they can find it on my website, handleyourbusinessgirl.com. Oh, I love it. I love it. Please, <laughs> I hope a lot of our listeners will go go to, what is it again, Handle Your Business? It is, it is handleyourbusinessgirl.com, and I'm having a special right now. If you buy one uh-huh. book, you get a copy free for a friend. So if you go oh, there right. now, I'm running a special, buy one, get oh, one free. Right. And so I want, because I want I as many that. leaders to get this book in their hands as they can. HandleYourBusinessGirl.com, and if you order it through my website, I'll autograph them for you. So get your All copy right, and get Dr. one for a friend. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Gale. And, again, you've been phenomenal. Thank you for joining us today. And if you have comments or ideas about other leaders like the phenomenal Dr. Gale you'd like to hear from please visit me at our, at my website, drgenevaspeaks.com. Stay tuned for our next show when we inspire great leaders for greater purpose. Thanks for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks. Dr. Geneva Williams, an expert facilitator, and leadership coach, lecturer, and keynote speaker. For more information on Dr. Geneva, visit her online at www.drgenevaspeaks.com. That's drgenevaspeaks.com.